Computer, initialize Holosuite. Shuttle with the blast shield. Yes. The blast Stop shield is no, the blast shield. It and comes it down and it goes up. Blast shield. And welcome to the twentieth episode. That's right, two zero twenty of Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. I am Kyle. I'm joined by my wife, Katie, the former non-Trekkie, really, before we started this whole journey of Blast Shield. It feels weird to say that about myself. Not a non-Trekkie. Yeah. But just feels right having you be excited to watch a Star Trek episode with me. I'm out there in the world, like, defending Trek now. You are. You talk about it openly with people as well. I did, yeah. You, as a new Trekkie, you've grown up in a different world to me as a Trekkie when I was Yeah, new I don't know, because them. I'm still hanging out with people who are my generation, you know? So they're like, what? You like Star Trek? Don't you prefer Star Wars? And oh, I'm like, come gosh, on. No. No. Can't Although, be. The Mandalorian is one of the best TV shows being made right now. No, I mean, it's all right. It's no Star Trek. Oof. So, speaking of TV shows which aren't Star Trek, this week I finished Criminal Minds. It's a sad, sad situation. I'm wondering if I'd finished it just before we recorded the last episode. Because we recorded that right after I'd watched the last Criminal Minds. But if I didn't mention it on there or not. Yeah, so I finished it this week. It was never the same after Hotch went, but I will miss the BAU. 15 seasons, so... It's quite funny to think how Wells Trek has done over the years. But before, I'm trying to think, before we had all the new Trek since Discovery, I believe we had, if you include the animated series, 29 seasons of Star Trek across like um, almost 50 years. And that's seen as like a huge thing for Trek, well done. But like you even look at like Criminal Minds, 15 seasons, three seasons worth of spin-offs, that's 18 seasons. There's only 11 seasons behind Star Trek. Look at NCIS. Well, they're on season 19. Really? I think, yeah. Seven seasons of New Orleans. I think they've done 12 or 13 seasons of LA. So NCIS has made more seasons than Star Trek. Well, than Star Trek had at that point anyway. So it's um, it's amazing that Trek has the legacy it has in TV. I guess because of the duration of time. and They didn't spam the spin-offs all at once. Like other now shows they have. are. Now they definitely are. And I am here for it. I cannot keep up. Spam me up. That's all I can say. Keep filling me with spam. spam I love spam. Spam is disgusting. I used to love a spam sandwich. I bet if we have any US listeners, they have no clue what spam is. I think they might know what spam is, though. Isn't spam British thing? Is it? What does it stand for? It's, I don't know, but it's fake ham. Something ham. Isn't it like... Is it, are you sure it's not even American? I think it might be even be American. No, because there's like a whole thing in the war. Was there? Wasn't it? So spam is basically ham that is tinned. Is it made of something different? As opposed to what? Well, to like I think I'm going to have to find out now. But it comes with like a big block of it and you have to you basically slice it up like you, can you do. fry it. My dad fries it. Oh, you cooked your spam. Oh, I don't go near that no, stuff. No, you would slice it up for a sandwich or something. Yeah, no, my dad cooks it. My dad fries it like spam and eggs. Oh, spam and eggs. Yes, it is an American thing. There yeah, we go. We got right. there. We did I it. mean, I, did, I didn't check. So. Uh, if you are an American listener and you eat spam and eggs, let us know. I have some information for you. Okay, please let oh, me. Oh, it's from Minnesota. Wow. I mean, congratulations, Minnesota, on giving that to the world. Spam. Cheers. A pre-cooked canned meat product. It's a brand of canned cooked pork made by Hormel Foods Corporation. It was introduced in 1937. Gosh. And gained popularity worldwide after its use during World War II. You were kind of there then. You you knew the war thing. What does spam stand for? Shoulder of pork and ham. That's interesting to know, actually. My brain 
right now? Shoulder of pork and ham. There we go. We learn wow. something new every day. So if you didn't know what spam stands for, there we have it. Uh, <laughs> Why is spam bad for you? Is it bad for you? Why is it not bad for you? Oh, well, you won't even, we won't even find out. I don't want to give listeners <laughs> like any guilt for what they what they eat. Feel guilty. Yeah, I know. I don't, no, I don't want to. I'm not going to do it. We're not going to shame anyone for their diet. So how did yeah. we start talking about spam? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Remember, I said to you before we came on, saying, "Is there anything you particularly want to talk about in the intro?" And you said, "No, nothing's really happened this week." And lo and behold, we ended up talking about spam. <laughs> and now I know it comes from Minnesota in, was it 1937, did you say? Yeah, and it stands for shoulder of pork and ham. Yeah, so we filled the time with uh, some in- informative facts. <laughs> Stay tuned for more useless crap from us. <laughs> so uh, for someone who's listened to us the first time, you know, where we've barely mentioned Star Trek, uh, you it's would... coming. Yeah, it is coming. Uh, coming very soon as well. So we will start talking about the 17th. Can you believe that? The 17th episode of Star Trek Lower Decks very, very soon. Uh, This episode was the seventh episode of season two, where Pleasant Fountains Lie is the name of the episode. And I cannot tell you how much I'm struggling with saying that name, Katie. It's hard. I'm also struggling to figure out how it fits with the episode. Yeah, I don't really understand that. Maybe the name comes from something. But whenever I see it, so where Pleasant Fountains Lie, I want to say where Pheasant Fountains Lie. (laughs) Pheasant Plantains. Yeah, well, that was originally what a few days ago I stuck on, but now I've moved on to Pheasant Plantains. Where pleasant fountains lie. It's hard. It is hard. Say it, say it normally. Where... No. Yeah, see? <laughs> I can't. See? No, it's where pleasant plantains... <laughs> Wait, where pleasant <laughs> plantains fly? <laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> I feel like you made it worse. I, I have now. I have now. That's the first time I've done a triple F, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) That's my first time. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to talk about where Pleasant Flountains fly (laughs) in this episode. It's a very different episode. It is completely different to what you think we're going to be talking about. Uh, This episode saw the return of Jeffrey Combs, one of my favourite Star Trek uh, actors. Wow, that's an accolade. Yeah, we played Shran. Had Enterprise gone to a fifth season, he would have been promoted to series regular as well as Shran. Don't know if you knew that. Do you know that? No. Yeah, Shran was going to be a series regular that came back for another year. Uh, he also is famous, really, for playing Wayun in Deep Space Nine and Brunt in uh, Deep Space Nine as well. He's played multiple characters. You've already seen him as a few. In uh, Oh, I did see him, yeah. yeah I in did, recent yeah. episode of the DS9 that we watched. So I'm really excited to talk about his return to Trek, which is uh, long overdue, given Trek's been back on the air for three or four years now. Before we get into the discussion about the episode, though, please give us a follow on social media at BlastShieldUp. That's on Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, wherever else. Well, I don't think we are anywhere else. Yeah, let's talk about Star Trek then. Well, on that point as well, by the way, don't forget, give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please, 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 please. It's one click on your phone. Easy. Well, it might be more than one click, so I need to put a disclaimer on that. But still very, very simple. Uh, Yeah, do that. Let's talk about the Lower Decks episode then, Katie. I kind of liked how we did it last week, where we just kind of, uh, rather than going from start to end of the episode, we just kind of just spitballed and... Okay. Talked about what we liked in there and didn't like. So we're going to do that again this week, I think. Let's dance around. Let's dance. So this episode, it was a return to Boimler and Mariner uh, with a different dynamic, though. So it was Boimler saving the day for the two of them this time as opposed to typically being the other way around. And we got to see kind of Tendy and Rutherford, but not really. So Rutherford was more with Phillips, but you know, Tendy sort of came in and out of that story. It, both storylines, though, did a really interesting thing for the relationships between everybody. I think. In what way? It was really interesting to see Boimler so, like, cool as a cucumber, I guess. He was just cool. He was just doing the thing. Like, when he knew he had to climb the tree to get those things, mm. he was like, well, you got a broken arm, so 
And he was yeah. already halfway up the tree by the time she was like finished. What's the word? Grilling him. No. Yeah, she was not happy that he was going on about his titan adventures mm. um i feel like there's like a, a little mini series right there and what he did on a titan but it's a whole thing isn't it when people come back from their study abroad it's like stop talking about it but that's what i love that she called it stop talking about your study abroad yeah whatever it was yeah whatever it was she called it i thought that was quite funny it's a whole um, thing people is that, that so you did study abroad so yeah and i thing? knew no one wanted to hear about it when i got back and, and it you, sucks i know and you, you still talk about it now I don't really talk about it. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm taking the I want to talk about it more. When I got back, I was like, I just want to talk about it to everyone, but everyone will hate when I talk about it. Do you know, so that was 10 years ago for you. I know. I know. 11 years ago, technically. I, think. I know. I always used to say like, you know, when you fill in the forms and it's like, have you lived in another EU country in the past five years? And I'm like, yes, actually, I'm super cool. So I have. And now I can't say yes. Yeah. It'd be a lie. Where's my passport? It's yours out of date. Mine's out of date. See you in a couple of months. Yeah, so obviously we're talking about the Boimler Mariner storyline then where we see them... Well, it turns out Boimler was meant to be doing some mission that was cool at first. Something to do with centipedes. But then, as we found out later, Mariner pulled some strings and got him pulled off that mission and he had to do some duty with her. And so they, when they're on a shuttle and they are carrying the... I think they got the evil computer with them at that point of thing, mm-hmm. yeah, which is old Shran. We're going to call him Shran for the sake of this. And then Did he have uh, a name? Yeah, he did have a name. What was his name? It was... Uh, the number on the thing was 537. It was Agamus. Agamus, Agamus. Yeah, we all call yeah, him Agamus. Yeah, yeah. Now, Agamus, obviously, at the start of the episode, had just been defeated on a planet. So he wanted to be... He's just desperate to be linked up to computers again, because he's a computer. So he was always trying to get them. Like, the replicators weren't working after they crashed. And so he was like, oh, just plug me in. Like, and let me fix that for you. He was like, it's the devil tempting Jesus in the desert, you know, just trying to give him everything they want, but mm. not giving in there. So that going on throughout the whole episode. But yeah, so when Mariner and Boimler did crash land on the planet, which I thought was a brilliant sequence, by the way. Mm, the crash. Cool. The action scenes have been amazing in this season. But Mariner and him are totally aware they're not meant to engage with this machine. What about the black licorice dry? Oh, so... <laughs> the way that they put the emphasis on dry. I know, it was just... <laughs> I was like, everyone hates licorice. And then the next time it That's got... That's the worst. The next time it got was black licorice. Black. black. <laughs> I thought that was a mistake, first of all. And then I was like, no, no, they're just they're just really hammering home that it's not even cool red li- licorice. It's, it's black. I hate licorice. I don't like licorice either. Black licorice is, as she said, it tastes like poison. If you were to die from poison, that's probably what it would taste like. I really don't get anyone who enjoys it. I don't think they're really human. You know I think him? it's old people who didn't have the option of having like fun stuff, you it know? Could be. So it's like, mmm, this is sweets, yes. I don't know, see though, because like all the people, they introduced like humbugs and stuff like that. Yeah, and, like, because jars, the only other option they had was of licorice. licorice. Uh, yeah, licorice. but I'm thinking, I think they were better with, uh, with sweets back then. I reckon, you know, like in Men in Black, you've seen the first Men? I've only ever seen yeah. the first one. You know when they finally talk that one alien and it's a human, but it opens up his head and it's a little alien inside the head. Oh, yeah. Controlling it like yeah, a, yeah, ro- yeah. a machine. I imagine anyone who, who enjoys black licorice are just people like that. Maybe it's actually not food, it's fuel. It could be. See? In that case, we need to stuff it in our cars right now. <laughs> yeah, Katie's referring to the um, the current petrol, or as Americans would call it, fuel or gas, crisis currently in the, the UK, where a few big gas companies said they were going to close a few of their petrol stations to cover for the fact that uh, there's not so many drivers right now for heavy goods vehicles or HGVs. And so the media started to play that up as there being a shortage of petrol, which there wasn't a a shortage of petrol everywhere because the likes of Tesco's and things get their own supply because they're so big and stuff. 
So there wasn't an issue there. They had no connection to what was going on with the the other companies who did have to close a few petrol stations to manage the supply. And as such, British people being British people, just like last year with toilet roll at the start of the pandemic, uh, everyone went out and is basically, uh, I know people who legit spent over an hour stuck at petrol stations trying to get petrol because people are just queuing up, filling up because, you know, there's a shortage. And what are you going to do when when we're running low on petrol? What are you going to do? Are you going to ration it? No, you're not going to ration it. Hell no, you're, you're going, going to go and hoard that yeah, you're going to go and take stuff for yourself. There's some disgusting photos on social media where people have taken loads of like... Cans. Cans and all sorts and are just filling them with petrol. Ambulances cannot get yeah. fuel. Yeah, there's ambul- Yeah, there's legit stories now of ambulances uh, which cannot top up petrol. And bloody Jim none... down the road's got 15 canisters in his boot. Yeah. Jim's not a we real hate person, you, Jim. I guess. No, 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 okay, Jim's yeah. not real. I wasn't sure for a minute, so I thought, oh, well, we should probably go no, to Jim if, if Jim's done this. Sorry, Jim, though, if there is a Jim yeah. down the road. But I bet you've done it, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, and so typically now Britain has created its own actual British. shortage now of petrol. Know, if, if anyone said there's a shortage of anything, British people would be like, damn, need to go get that. So we should, like, we should make it a thing and say, like, like there's a shortage of jobs yeah i saw, I saw <laughs> no, that online earlier. oh is yeah. that a thing yeah we should start telling people there's a shortage of jobs so people go out and work <laughs> or that one uh, do you see that one about the the pub which put a sign at the front oh, saying yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be a shortage of beer yeah <laughs> just try and get everyone to come in and drink all their beer we should yeah. we should make up a rumor about something really really stupid like cotton wool there's just a get shortage people of to buy loads of cotton wool. And then people will be stuffing it in their cars and then but you know what this does though right it reminds you bring this back around to star trek how far away we are from a Star Trek future. Oh, yeah. Like, really far away. Now, don't get me wrong, even in the Star Trek timeline, at this point, we've still got a World War Three and, and all sorts to happen. So, you know, Trek wasn't even pretending that now was a particularly pleasant time to be a human on Earth. But these little things show that we are just in it for ourselves. There are people in this world who are very openly in it for themselves. Then there's, there's a larger group of people who say they're in it to help people, but a massive chunk of those... Actually, when push comes to shove, mm. will look out for themselves as well, but do it quietly. And then, unfortunately, it leaves a smaller amount of people uh, who legit are selfless and want to help other people, are considerate for other people. And yeah, we're, not, we're nowhere near that track future right now. But I guess to bring it back onto cheerier subjects with uh, lower decks, this whole um, can I just say this whole thing where they're on the planet and they're trying to find water and a way to communicate to the ship uh, that they crashed. I need to do a shout out to the music, which we it watched. Was so good. We watched this episode twice, and I've mentioned the music, particularly in the montage bit where they're walking through mm. all the sort of desert bit, sand dunes. Uh, and I was saying, like, the music is amazing. It's it felt it's like, like film level. Hmm. But like, it also had like that. It could have been in like sixties track, but it also could have just been in like any seventies, eighties movie that would have a like a, a montage of the sand dunes. I don't know. Like the music just felt. It reminded me a bit of like the music on the Mummy. I was just thinking that. Weird. I was literally just thinking that. How weird. Yeah. Like we deserty. It. it was a really good track, that. A little bit sort of like Egyptian-y, mm. you know? Yeah. And no, absolutely. No, you're right. I, I was just thinking that a minute or two ago, actually. No, you were quite right on that front. And the, yeah, the music was really, really good. And I really just... The animation has been superb this season. And some of the shots we got during this was great. Uh, Mariner, obviously, fracturing her arm and then popping a fracture back in. Okay. I think I think she'd fractured her lower arm, maybe, and then dislocated her shoulder. So she popped the shoulder back in. Okay. And then put the arm in the sling. Wow. 
badass. And all the while, obviously, um, Agamus is trying to get them to um, connect into anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it leads to, he rats on Mariner for the fact that she got Boimler pulled off a mission. Boimler, at this point, was pissed off for real, I think, wasn't he? I was trying her. to work out when the, when the crossover came. And you're, of course, referring to the fact that Boimler eventually ends up fighting Mariner, does plug in Agamus into a ship, but it turns out he's only put him into the light switch control, um, and they've just been <laughs> using his battery to power up the rest of the ship to get home. So Boimler was playing him all along and playing Mariner, actually. But yeah, you weren't sure at what point Mariner... Uh, what, sorry, you weren't sure at what point Boimler came up with the plan, because he clearly, when he first goes after Mariner... I think he is, he's just pissed off. Oh, yeah. So I don't think he's got the plan in his mm. head then. So when do you think he came up with it? I don't know. I think just before the scene where he like attacks her and punches her. So when they're by the door and yeah, she suggests Yeah, I think it might ship. be that. But I don't know how he would come up with it that quickly. Because I know he's better. He's improved. New and improved boims. He saved the day on like three occasions this season already, mm. I think. And he's only been in six. And he hasn't episodes. been super big headed and a dick about it, which oh. is interesting because old Boimler would have been. Yeah, totally would have and been. And now it's like he saves the day. Cheers. He just gets on and with he's it. He's like, yeah, it's okay. I think he appreciates what he's got now. He's definitely a stronger crewman for what he's gone through mm. more. Ensign, if we're going to rank him. So, yeah, this whole story then the Boimler on the planet and with Mariner and Boimler being the one to save the day and Mariner not even twigging what was going on I mean how did you find this little buddy up with them it was really interesting and then like when I wasn't really sure what was going on with Boimler didn't I say to you the first time we watched it I was like god I hate Boimler so horrible when he punched you don't remember do you no. punch Mariner in the face and oh then the first, oh, the first time watching this episode yeah and I was like I hate him so yeah, much yeah yeah and I said such to you such a douche I said, oh, well, be fair, he's he's dehydrated, they haven't eaten. Mm. Yeah, I'd forgotten. Yeah, you were really... You didn't I'm know so mad at him. And then when I, I realised that he'd scammed the computer, I was like, oh, okay, fair play. Yeah, good man. So, Agamus, what do we think of this villain? And the fate that he had. He, he so he funny. went to the Daystrom Institute, which you picked up the shout-out at the start of the episode. I did. Little trekkie that you are now. Hello. Um, you obviously picked up on that from which show, Katie? Picard. Picard. Star Trek Picard. <laughs> um, and obviously, uh, the Daystrom Institute appears in the first episode mm-hmm. of that show, in fact. so And um, isn't it where the lady works? Isn't it Magnus? Or yeah, I... yeah, yeah, Agnes, yeah. It's where she works. And it's where Data's body mm. is being kept at that point. Sorry if you've never watched Nemesis or Beyond. Anyone listening? <laughs> so uh, that was that storyline. Um, I enjoyed it. Mariner got some kick-ass lines in. As always. Mm-hmm. Backseat role, I felt, to the, the two, though, which is different because when they're buddied up, normally Mariner has the driving mm. role of the two. But I felt on this occasion it was Boimler. You know what I've just realised? It really is kind of like she's his number one in this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is, yeah. I liked how Starfleet she was throughout, though. Very Starfleet. Like when she's like, no, we're not going to let him in that ship because if he links up to the computer, we're going to be in big trouble. Mm. Let's, let's find a new one. She would have died know? from it. Yeah, but she was just getting on with it. I love when um, she's got tired eyes, though. Mariner just looks hilarious when she's got, like, you know, they do this different shade under her eyes. Disheveled, yeah. Yeah, I remember back, like, God, season one, I think, I can't remember when it was, when she was knackered. Oh, that episode where Captain Freeman's trying to get Mariner overworked and to want to quit. Oh, yeah. And you just how tired she is and stuff like that. That's good. Uh, so let's talk, though, about the true, fantastic, one of the best lower deck storylines I think this we've was had. Good. This uh, was so good. So Lieutenant Billips finally got a, uh, a storyline about him. When I say finally, I mean, ultimately, the main character's we don't deal with them a lot. Their stories come through how they how their stories interact with the lower deckers, I guess. And that kind of happened here with Billups. Now, and let me ask Katie, what species did you think Billups was? I definitely thought he was human. 
Yeah, I, th- I did as well. So we've been caught out by that for starters because he, he, he does look human, but he's not. Um, Maybe he has some like weird disfigurement. I remember. Don't check. I know. So you just ratted on me because I was quickly checking the name of his Terrible, species. I know. Um, yeah, but you have a good memory for it. You listened to it the other day to a podcast where they were teaching Chinese and you only listened for an hour and then like six hours later you were telling me about 20 different Chinese words and their meanings. And phrases. So, yeah, yeah, see, sorry. Oh, yeah, I'll just get that in there as He's well. He's Hiberian. Hyperion. Hyperion. Oh, oh, I was so close. Close, you were close. Well done, though. Well done for that. I couldn't even remember. I knew it began with a, a H. That was about it. Turns out the Cerritos uh, meets up conveniently with the ship containing a queen. And it turns out the queen is Billips's mother. And he's like, hello, mother. <laughs> that kind of... Uh... There's such disdain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so when they meet up... So it turns out Billips's species live in castles and there's dragons and they've renamed... They're basically Star Trek meets King Arthur and the Knights of the Round like, Table. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff <laughs> like that, I think. But they've also... Um, so all the feats of like engineering and the technology they have it turns out they've given magical names to instead like the warp core they call there was it the dragon's Dragon's breath dragon's breath (laughs) so yeah um just hilarious stuff and billips is gonna use his engineering abilities which his mum disapproves of to obviously try and help fix that ship but nothing makes sense to him about what's wrong with it but obviously before that happens uh, Billips points out to Rutherford that, you know, his mother wants him to become king. The only way he can become king is if he has sex, which led to a few hilarious jokes where he talks about his mum trying to force him to have sex. I don't know about you, but I took that as the I gag of did. her trying to And I was like, bang what him. does this species do? Yeah, I know. This is so it's gross. like Billips, you dog. But it turns out Billips had, aban- had like given up his rights to become king and stuff by going into Starfleet. So in Hyperion society, as soon as he has sex for the first ever time, he will then become a king of his people. What would happen then in that case if, like, when he has kids? As soon as they have sex. They just do it really young. Yeah, as soon as they have sex. Yeah. Well, he just gets a short reign and a young king or queen follows. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. So he chooses to be celibate. You know, I actually thought this was quite cool, the idea that they were introducing... A character who chooses to be celibate because you know there's you know many people in the world who who do choose to be that way and probably never see themselves on TV and if mm. anything celibacy is seen as a whenever it's Failure, used on TV it? yeah it's like it's it's treated as like a joke and I guess that's kind of bled then into mainstream in that you know if you're being celibate then it's not through choice it's because you can't get yeah laid this or is something. what I hate I hate that it's treated as something that. It's not your choice. It's like you're forced into it because yeah, no one yeah. wants you. Yeah, which isn't true. And it's 100% yeah. not true. So I love that Lower Decks represented those and Billips. Mm. Okay, it was a little bit of a joke about the fact he didn't want to lose his virginity and stuff. But I didn't think they made a joke out of the fact that he was... And they never made a joke out of the fact that he was celibate. Like there was never a joke saying, what, you're, you're a virgin? That was never It was more joke. a joke about how ridiculous the society was. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he'd always be there like, you know, you'll... Uh, I will always be a virgin and stuff like that. And the, the pride he took in that. I thought that was a, a really subtle way of Star Trek giving representation to mm. people. I guarantee there's people who watch Lower Decks who identify mm. now. And I think Billips is probably going to become a icon for those. We also saw uh, that if Billips had, because uh, talking about that plot there, you know, his, his mum fakes her death so that it forces and makes us think that Rutherford's dead as well, but he's not. It forces Billips to have to quit Starfleet and take on his new king role. But he can't do that until he has sex. So... He has a very attractive woman and man, assuming that was their genders, coming to his quarters on the ship and he's going to enjoy a threesome with them. I took it in the whole thing that in on Hysperia that there's no real 
what's the word I'm, I don't know what the type of words I'm looking for that there's no there's probably a term for this I don't know but the assumption that you are heterosexual mm. the assumption that you're born heterosexual just to procreate which you know that's I mean that's up for debate but and it, well, it is debated all the time but I think I got the impression here that even though Billips had a mother so that suggests that maybe it is the women in society who do still have the babies I got the impression that it was a very open society to anything because I mm. thought I thought men were, were flirting with Billups from the start and Billups was going along with it. The only, yeah. He just looked overwhelmed because he didn't have to deal with being the object. Yeah, of it wasn't just the girl. Like mostly it was a, like that girl who throws herself around, you know, in the mm. white. That was ridiculous. <laughs> so funny. But it wasn't just a, all a, like the men were giving him the eye. And... Yeah, yeah. I like that as well. Yeah. I do love how terrified he was. He was so scared. So when he's about to have sex, now this is hilarious because Rutherford realizes what's going on. And Rutherford is trying to help save Billups' virginity, which I thought was hilarious. He's running from ship to ship. I love when they couldn't beam off the Hyperion <laughs> ship because yeah. the um, the jester of the the group was using his guitar, his, his little banjo thing, whatever it was, to um, create a was it a comm link? He's disrupting, yeah, he was disrupting the comm signals or transporter signals or something. And so I thought it was funny. And when they get in there, obviously during that scene, it's cutting to. Billups undressing for his fun little activities. See when he's taking the shirt off, he looks terrified. But then I feel like when he undid, when he pulled down his trousers, you could see he was kind of like, in his eyes, it's like, you know, what do you think kind of thing as he showed mm. it all. But we've got to see his ass. So mm. we saw bare ass. It wasn't blurred or anything. They've blurred asses on the show before, I think, haven't they? No. Are we sure? Yeah. Mm. Oh, in the shower. But I always assumed that And the that holodeck was just in the... the first episode? Of um, when Mariner was on show and tendy the whole deck. Did Don't they blur know. the bums on that? But yeah, this is the first time we see uh, Billips naked. Cue anyway. the best line of the show. Hit me. Has his kingdom come yet? Yeah, I know. That's... <laughs> so that's when Rutherford gets into the room and Billips isn't there. But the t- turns out Billips, he couldn't get it up. So lucky save. Otherwise, I think he would have had to become king. But the pressure obviously got to him. And they were both relieved that Billips could keep his virginity. And uh, as he said to his mum, she will never ever be able to get him to have sex because he doesn't want to be king he wants to be an engineer bless him good for you yeah i like his choices there i like what they've done with him i think it's a really cool i think it's i actually think it's a really badass thing to characterize him and i think there's gonna be a lot of trekkies watching that some of the ones who complain that trek is too woke now or something who won't realize just how smart the stuff with billips was there Mm. and how they is representing and um when they realise it, they're probably going to get mad. <laughs> but, but no, I think for me now, that's that's established Billups as one of my favourite characters of the show. I mean, for a lot of the time, it takes a lot more than one episode to get you really into a character. But I, I do feel really into him after just an hour. Yeah. I hope like, we'll not even an hour. Yeah. 30, 24 minutes, I think, the episodes this season, all of them. Uh, yeah, I think Billups now has got to be a... Uh, a favourite. I love his relationship with Rutherford as well. Yeah, that's sweet. Tendy was the one who obviously discovered that Rutherford was still alive. So if, it was, if Tendy hadn't have refused to give up Her on Rutherford. was so sad. Uh, did you think Rutherford was dead when they showed? No. Because we'd see it, wouldn't we? You mm-hmm. can't kill off Rutherford like that. Oh, that was it for the story, really, wasn't it, on the episode? I'm not missing anything, am I? Yeah, I don't I think so. I liked the... So it, was in, it wasn't really implied. It was almost specifically stated that uh, Freeman has a very good relationship with Billups. She knew his mum already. She knew his relationship with his mum. It's kind of cool because you get that on all the tracks anyway where like all the senior crew are in on each other's personal mm. business and lives. And so we don't see that part of them really on lower decks. But we've got to see hints of it here that, that the Cerritos is exactly the same in that regard. So did you think Billups was going to have to become king? I hoped that he wouldn't. You don't want to see anyone give up their dream of tending to a warp core mm. to go and live a life of royalty. 
And I said this to you when we were watching it as well, because obviously the whole virgin thing, the sex thing, the society that seems to have, that has its whole monarchy based around the idea of having sex, seems outrageous, but is about as close to TOS and TNG season one, maybe season two, as you can get. Like, that is old school Trek. So this episode would really fit in well with TOS and, yeah, the early TNG, like incredibly well. We've seen mm. loads of episodes that have very on have been very on the nose with uh, with that kind of stuff so and even down to like the music we mentioned earlier i just felt this whole thing had classic trek all over it It was like a love letter to the old kind of trek stories they all you'd get. Are, though. you'll never get a story like this though on like the other tracks mm. they'll do it as a nod to the old ones and yes i know you're right the lower decks itself is typically a sort of tribute to the old storytelling uh technique but i feel like the mariner boimler storyline could have with some obviously adjustments because it's comedy on this show, but that storyline we've seen before in a sense and, and still would. But yeah, you wouldn't get them trying to do a version of the Philip storyline on. It would be funny if they tried though. So that was episode seven. Oh, can I just say as well, actually, the shot of the Cerritos when it's approaching and docking with the Hyperion ship is incredible. Yeah, it's really good. When it switches to behind the Cerritos when it's flying towards there, the animation there's superb. The docking was very Enterprise. Uh, they have transporters. I'm not sure why they... Did they say why they were going to dock there? Um, so we see like, obviously the, uh, the docking tunnel thing come out uh, between the ships. And we get shot a shot of, of the Cerritos when it's later on an establishing shot where it is... Um, you can see it just behind the Hyperion ship and when they're docked to each other. And that was like an Enterprise kind of shot. You always get the shots in Enterprise and you'd see, see the NX-01 docked to the ship and you'd see them like, looking at it for the side. So I, I appreciated that. And I thought... People listening might correct me if I'm wrong. I thought I saw a Star Wars shout out what? in this episode. Yes. Uh, so when they were on the planet and they were sliding down the sand dunes to, I guess it might have been to the ship, which they ended up going into in the end. But when they slide down and you can just see like the back propulsion bits of the, you know, like all the, know, the flame kind of things would come out. Uh, you see like one or two on the back, very similar to Star Wars Episode Seven. The Force Awakens when Rey goes on a little board thing and slides down a sand dune to the back of a Star Destroyer that's in the sand. And you see it from behind as well. Very similar shot. So I think that was deliberate personally. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Would they ever? I think they would. Sci-fi fans. A lot of the writers will just be sci-fi fans or animated animators. It might even be something that wasn't in the script and just the animation mm. team did it. So um, they're going to be sci-fi fans. What's your favourite part then this week? Mostly like individual quotes. Okay. Such as, do you remember any? Keep your danglies to yourself. Who's that? Mariner to the, the computer. Oh, when he was sticking its things yeah. into her, her pad. Yeah. 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 Um, I remember. The licorice black thing. Oh, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. And um, has this kingdom come yet? Oh, yeah. And um, the queen saying, ha, good luck with that. My royal subjects have been taught from birth to skip foreplay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I thought that was great. Our, our son's destroying so his virginity right now. Yeah, I thought that, yeah. Was, that was hilarious. Yeah, I, very similar to you. I thought the Billip storyline was great. Yeah, it was really funny. And I appreciated the, what felt like epicness of the Boimler and Mariner story. But yeah, the the Billip stuff was, was brilliant. It's good to know him better. Uh, so we've only got three episodes left of the season now. Can't believe it. So it was at this point in season one where things really started to heat up uh, with the final three episodes. So I'm wondering if uh, season two is going to do the same. 
I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to the season finale because obviously season one's finale was so good. Anyway, obviously when it finishes up, we then get Star Trek Prodigy as well. Season two on a roll for you. Enjoying season two? Yes. Yes. We we do love the show in this house. Our kids. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Lower Decks is an adult comedy, so maybe uh, we certainly did in season one. We would watch it before the kids would watch it, uh, well, before mm-hmm. Harrison would watch it. Whereas we kind of know what um, what they apart from Magato sex scenes that come out of nowhere or whatever but um we typically know what we're going to get with the show so we can safely let the kids watch it because we know what they are and aren't aware of on the screen but this one we had on and they were just silent throughout Mm. and the funny thing was all the sex stuff just flew over their heads they had no idea what they were watching really so that's funny yeah even the when they were about to have the threesome in the cabin i forgot because i forgot the kids were in the room because they were so quiet they're never normally that quiet they're eating their dinner and then i was like holy crap they're in the room and then i can't remember what harrison's takeaway was from it like do they only like to wear underwear? <laughs> yeah, something like something that. Something like it? that. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, yes, that's, yeah, that's, the that's the way the aliens roll on that yeah. planet. It's going to win awards for our incredible parenting soon. Uh, but they love it and it keeps them quiet for 24 minutes. So uh, we'll Expecting take it. my trophy any yeah, day now. Absolutely. Thank you to the Lower Decks team for, <laughs> for giving us 24 minutes of silence, 10 weeks every year i know right can you just send us all of the like shots that you don't use yes yeah anything you've got just send over because i need lower decks to do some babysitting for me Mm. oh gosh can you imagine mariner would be no i wouldn't trust her but she would be a kick-ass babysitter genuinely would not no i think mariner would be the best boimler would end up destroying the house with them trying to keep them behaving but they would like destroy the house tendy would just let them do whatever yeah, they'd, they'd walk over Tandy. Rutherford would have a bit of a, a freak out and lock himself in the bathroom and call someone for help. <laughs> but I feel like Mariner would just be badass with him. And if they were given a, if they were given her any hassle, she would just like... Whip him into shape. Yeah. I just thought him. about a great person to do it. Who? Tana. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> you effing sit down. You effing shut up. You effing eat this. Yes. Just be beep, 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 beep. Our kids beep. would be like... <laughs> no Mouth of gas. No different to how you speak to him, to be fair. Mm. Joking. He's joking. not. No, well, half joking. Half joking. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening uh, to this podcast. Hope you're enjoying season two as much as we are. And um, we will be back in a week to talk about the 18th episode of Lower Decks altogether, uh, episode eight from season two. Uh, until then, maybe we'll get more Star Trek news. Who knows? And in the meantime, please live long and prosper. Have a wonderful week, everybody, and we'll see you later. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. Yeah, so we cut to night time. Harry sneaks out of the bed and starts looking up Voyager with his security codes, etc. Um, again, should be in underwear, but... Computer, show me Tom Paris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> show me his location right now. Oh, he's 450 metres away. <laughs> hey. Oh my gosh, it was Grongle. <laughs> he's like, I have to go to a hookup. Olivia, I have to go to Paris. I have to... He found... He found him Tom on, and on Harry Space on Star Trek Grinder, and he's like, it's Space Grinder. <laughs> Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4 Beyond Farpoint, a Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. And Cards, the other character, trying to solve the mystery. So 
he leaves for that reason alone. It could be, and it could really be any character. Any one of of the main cast members could have gone with Data and been there with Data several days later, trying to solve what happened to the Enterprise. It's it, it it's very very much a kind of a, a plot reason and nothing more. I think. Yeah, um, I kind of wish Data had stayed on the ship actually, because I would like to have seen him regress to a pocket calculator. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.